the things we do podcast a podcast about film life television mental health all of that fun jazzy stuff today i've got my friend and special guest robin query well hello there hello how are you oh i'm all right thank you um <laughs> That's good. That's good. It's a nice. I'm still here. I'm yes. still above the grass, as I say. So, I d- well, you're going to drop a small coil. Well, no, you never know at my age. Um, so, where, Robin, tell me all about yourself because you're a man no, of. It's <laughs> boring. You're a man of. The funny thing is, I remember before we even worked together, your name was one of those names that everyone kind of talked about. Yes, um, and, uh, yes, it was. I, I used when I first started back into the film game i suppose uh, about 20 years ago i i did everything i did whatever came up you know yeah I'd, I'd read lines out of a phone book if necessary um because i just i loved doing it and i just wanted to get back into it and get the experience yeah yeah you know, and, and hopefully gradually work my way up to bigger and better things well that's sort of happened in a little way but not as much as i would have liked obviously yeah but yeah uh, um so i was very well known in short film particularly yeah. around the city mm. yeah mm. no because um you've sort of like the one thing i noticed especially about probably like imdb and a whole bunch of stuff is mm. you've just you've kind of been one of those faces that gradually <laughs> pops up um you're one of those people also who's very much a chameleon when it comes to roles, which well, I I think is kind of interesting because you're a bit of a character character actor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've always considered myself a character actor. Yeah, versus I like, find it very hard to play straight. Yes, and particularly if I'm doing uh, <clears throat> real life stuff, I find it very difficult to be me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I like a character to hide behind, and I think you'll find a lot of big actors say that. Yeah, and lot. I think I think it's very interesting because you know you've played. Uh, you've played a fair amount of nice guys as well as cantankerous, like, evil mm, people. I like doing cantankerous and evil. It's <laughs> fun. You you like being the villain. Absolutely. Um, where you get to kill a lot of people or at least maim yeah. a lot of people. Just Yeah, just doing horrible Cynical. things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about you as a personality. Well, you see, that's the Jekyll and Hyde thing coming out, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'm like that in real life. <laughs> But it's good to be able to express that side of yourself sometimes and do it obviously in the safety of of a film and a character in a film where you're not actually killing people. No. Because that gets really messy when you start doing that. So you mentioned like doing acting 20 years ago. But what were you doing in the meantime? Like, you know, was it just... Uh, well, I've always acted ever since yeah. I left high school at 18. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But you just kind of like left the industry for a yeah, little bit? Yeah, or the industry left me or something. Um, oh. I was doing theatre mm. up until, well, well, I'm still doing theatre. I just started rehearsing again. At the moment, we're doing some more Steptoe and Son. You probably don't. don't I do know. Ste- do I know. do know. Okay. I am. I, I grew up with a lot of like eighties and seventies comedy yeah. shows. All right. Yeah. Um, well, we did uh, three episodes a couple oh. of years ago, which went down very well around the local area. Yep. And we did it at the Irish Club, and um, so we're, we're doing another three episodes, new ones, at the Henry Lawson Club. Yeah, oh, awesome. At the beginning of July, so you'll have to come and see it. I definitely will. Mm. I do like a bit of um, old British comedy. Was theatre one of those things that when you left high school, you just tra- um, jumped straight into it? Or was yeah. it kind of like a gradual? No, no, I jumped straight in <clears throat> because I knew that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, in Christchurch at that stage, it was a very big amateur 
theatre circle, in fact. There was yeah. probably eight or nine big amateur groups, and they were all very, very good. And we had competitions every year. Um, so I just went and joined one of them, the one that was sort of closest to me. And then over the years, I, I spread out and went into um, other groups and did stuff for them. Finally, for Repertory Theatre, which was the big one, Christchurch Rep. Yeah. And then we started, or somebody started, their first professional theatre in Christchurch, which was Court Theatre. And I was in the first production that they did and got money. I got $25 a week. Oh, yeah. which, um, you know, it's was my first professional engagement. <laughs> Can I say that's not too bad for like, well, that was, you're yeah, talking 1973 or something. Yeah. No, so what's 70, that? That's so the equivalent. 71 because it's their 50th anniversary this year. Oh, wow. So mm. that you're, you're talking probably about like what the equivalent of like 40 bucks today or something like that. 25 in those days would be probably, I don't know, 500 maybe. Oh, really? Yeah. That's real. Gone inflation. <laughs> well, I was getting pay. I was, I think I was only getting 50 bucks a week. Wow. Pay, so in my normal job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So $25 was half of that again. So yeah, maybe $1,000 today, which That's- is about what most... Uh, school theatre groups and that are getting yeah um, and it's, and it's funny like um i i recommend it, amateur theater to any anyone and especially absolutely. community mm. community theater is like the best um i remember like when i left high school because acting was something that i wanted to do mm-hmm. and i used to find it like terrifying because it was it, it, <laughs> i still find it <laughs> but i mean like one of those things is how do you tell because it's a you know we hide behind a mask and yeah. you know it's a confidence thing you kind of like as we were talking yeah. with character acting yeah. how do you kind of tell kids it's like or young actors it's like how do that it's okay like it's okay to feel afraid because a lot of time they look at actors mm. who do really well and go you must have it all figured out well, funny you should say that. I actually think the opposite with young kids these days with actors. Oh, really? I've worked with a few young kids in film lately, and they've been amazing, absolutely incredible. The confidence, I think because they do all this you know, stuff online, the YouTubers and all that stuff, which mm. is way beyond me, um, they've just got so much confidence. They know exactly what, what they want to do, and they do it. And some of the kids and some of the programs that we watch as well, the, yeah, the, the kid leads in them. It's just phenomenal, absolutely I, I, phenomenal. I agree, and I think um, I, I think it's also the way we use education is you have to learn fast. It's very yeah, much, probably these days. Um, yeah. Versus, I think w- one of the things my parents also did the fortunate thing was grow me up on like Alfred Hitchcock and stuff like that. So oh, I grew up good. all on the nineteen sixties and nineteen fifties films. Like I watched a lot of. Um, James Bond with uh, Sean Connery and how janky that was. It's, it's the aged. The best James Bond, Bond ever. <laughs> I, th- I think it has a lot of questionable lines. But well, <laughs> I must admit I watched Doctor Who again a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. And not quite as good as I remember. No, the, the funny thing is I think it's – I'm about to show. Did my... I say Doctor Who? You did. Doctor No. Oh, Doctor See, No. I'm talking to you. <laughs> yes. Doctor Who automatically um, comes out. No, do- Doctor No. I'm well. Doctor Who. Some janky lines too. Yeah, um, yes. I think the, the funny thing is a lot of that time in the British like era, they were also it was sort of the translation from theatre to film. So a lot of it came from like people trying to write 
quirky moments for theater mm. but in a film setting or like and it didn't quite always land and i think it was also you know dr no's like the first james bond film yeah. so it's it's a great film it was stunning in its day it was just totally different my yeah. god action sex oh wonderful um ursula and- andrews coming out of the water in a bikini. <laughs> oh wonderful i think i was uh what was i 12 14 maybe and I remember sitting in French class and we had this gorgeous French teacher, redhead. She was lovely. Mm. And she said, no, what are you going to be doing this weekend? She was asking everybody and came to me and I said, well, I'm going to go and see Dr. No. And she sort of took a step back. Like, oh, Dr. No. Oh, really? Is that suitable? And I said, well, yes, it's James Bond. I've got all the books. I've read them all. <laughs> and she must have been like, okay. Yes. Um, I have to keep an eye on that that boy in future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, um, I think the real life James Fleming was um, Ian Fleming. Oh, sorry, Ian Fleming, James Ian Fleming. Fleming. Where did where did I go from? The name uh, was Fleming. Ian the, Fleming, Fleming um, was a uh, an interesting character. Um, His life was amazing. Yeah, yeah, he, really, yeah. <laughs> he really was. Apparently, he was very like um, inspiring, very arrogant, but he was very mm. a very interesting man. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a movie actually had about like there an is. autobiography. Yes, kind and of I thing. can't remember what it's called. No, um, but no. I think I think also with like early, you know, like obviously you mentioned Doctor Who by accident, but I think it's also <laughs> Doctor Who is very filled with uh, janky stuff as well, and and it's funny showing that to people now. Yeah. A lot of old stuff. Doesn't the old quite, stuff. Oh, my God. The black and white William Hartnell days does not age well at all. No, um, but again, we thought it was fabulous because, especially in New Zealand, because yeah. we, we, we didn't get horror movies as such. They were cut to buggery when yeah. we got them, and they were R16, and we were still only like 12, 13, 14. So for, to have a sci-fi thing like that on TV, yeah. which was TV was only quite new as well, still in black and white, my girlfriend, now my wife, of course, after 50-odd years of that time, and I would go to the 5 o'clock movies on a Friday yeah. on my little motorbike, rush home to see Doctor Who at 7.30, and it was wonderful. Oh, she hated it because she's not a sci-fi fan. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, you know, it was great. We loved it. You know, Daleks and yeah, all that stuff. It was great. I think it's, I think it's one of those things as well, like – Things that we enjoyed um, do translate. They, you know, they're still in popular media. Like they're still making James Bond now, with you know, to, yeah, just for the a modern style. Yeah, a completely different mm. style. And the interesting thing it's the same with Doctor Who, like, and the same with any show. If they were to do like um, any old comedy show, like Monty Python or anything like that today, there would be an equivalent. There would be an, a sketch comedy equivalent yes, of absurdist. Yes, there is. I, I don't think they're as good, obviously. No. Um, but that's just because I grew up on that period. I watched uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian again last year, and I, I was killing myself. And Oh, my God, this is still funny. It's, it's so good. It's hilarious. Um, I mean, it's totally wrong, but, <laughs> but that's I, why we loved them, because they I, were totally wrong. I think nothing just kind of beats the scene where everyone's trying to claim they're Brian. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's a Spartacus. I'm Brian. But I think that the funny thing is also those those films are just quintessential. They, they, they're just kind of like a big thing now. They're classics. Um, yeah. yeah. And I my shelf 
um, at home, my DVD and Blu-ray shelf has all these films of like 70s and I'm, 80s. I'm pleased to hear that, Martin. That's really good. <laughs> because you know, when I'm on sets and things, uh, especially with student filmmakers yeah. who I really expect to know better, I'll mention things like that, you know, and they, they've got no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, Orson Welles and <sighs> and a lot of these old directors and old actors and they don't even know that, but they don't bother to look up the old stuff. I was talking to a guy who was trying to sell me something <clears throat> on the phone one day a couple of years ago, and he had to ring me back. Oh, we were going on our trip. That's right, our cruise. Mm. And on the cruise was Casablanca. Well, of course, that's my yeah. all-time favorite movie. And he ran through the list of ports of call, and he missed this out. And I said to him, you've missed the most important port. He said, what's that? I said, my favorite movie, Casablanca. And he said, oh, yes, I, I think I've heard of that. I, I've never watched it. And he had to ring me back for something later. So when he rang me back, rang me back in the afternoon, yeah. he said, oh, I, I looked up that film on YouTube. It's black and white. I've never seen a black and white film. I might watch it. <laughs> wow. And, and I've, had, I've actually had students say that to me before, either they've never watched a black and white movie. Now, if you're a film student and mm. you want to make films, you've got to look at the old stuff. Yeah. You've got to. I I think it's also interesting, like anyone who says for, this is, you know, goes to the technical note of aspect ratio, black and white, four by three. Yeah. That was quintessentially what TV and some films were shot on and, mm. um, you know, wide lenses and stuff were occasionally used for black and white films, but they weren't anything huge. Um, but one of the things that I keep saying to, I said to someone quite recently, I said, oh, can we shoot a film in four by three in black and white? And he said, oh, wouldn't you rather shoot it like wide lens? And I was like, no, because four by three, black and white is the whole feeling of isolation alone and that whole. Have I, you seen my reflections in the dust? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like everything black about. Black and white 3. Yeah. And that's yeah. great. Like it's so eerie. It's such an eerie feeling. It worked for that. Um, have you seen The Nightingale? Uh, the, the Australian uh, one? No, I haven't seen. I've. It's very hard to watch apparently. It's very hard to watch. <laughs> and I, yeah, I won't comment on that. But uh, I just didn't feel that the 4-3 worked for that at all. Yeah. Black and white. Well, it's not really black and white. It's just sort of very neutral. Yeah. Grubby, dirty, muddy <laughs> colour. <laughs> but I mean like 4 by 3 doesn't work for everything. But it's sort of when it does work for the material it's sort of like you've got to know your medium you've got to know what yeah, your story yeah well, and is. i just tr I tried to watch justice league the other day the <laughs> snyder one i kept falling asleep i mean it's just so boring um, <laughs> but I, why he decided to do it in 4-3 when you've got this ginormous action stuff going on you know do you want the big screen i know oh. i know um but i mean it's also like i i feel I watched it. I watched like half of it. It's too long. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up, just four hours is too long. Yeah. Um, about four hours too long. <laughs> I think they did be about half hour. I watched all of that. Um, but it, I mean, you know, when you look at films nowadays and also just how things and styles and choices are made, I feel like also even though we talk about students really kind of moving fast, they're technologically skilled. The mm. understanding behind those skills is less and less. As time goes on, not a lot of people, as you say, are asking where these ideas come from. No. And I think it's important to know where everything began so you kind of know what you want 
and also from a creative point um, yeah, what definitely. you can achieve. The creative side of it is the, the yeah. important side. And, of course, these these kids are so au fait with the techni- technology that that's kind of and, – and a lot of this goes for the – the movies and that too, the superhero stuff and that, which I've gone past, I'm afraid. It's all technology. There's, they tend to forget about the characters and the story and what's going on or what should be going on. It's just technology. Look how clever we are. We can blow up New York. We can make the world explode. Yeah. that It's terrific as long as you've got a good story to go with it. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think, um, you know, I wish people understood that more. Like I wish, I wish a lot of people were like, you know, um, I understand the way things are and the way, you know, people are, you know, are working and functioning, mm. but a lot of, uh, a lot of people just kind of ignore character. It's, um, and I think one, one of the things that I always read in scripts uh, nowadays is sort of like read full character because I remember years ago I worked on a short film and this was straight out of uni. And one thing I remember seeing, we watched, we read the script. I was like, oh, the script's okay. Like, it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Watched the final product. And I was like, nothing translated. Where in, did the script go? Yeah, where did the mm. ideas go? Where yeah. did the, I've be- done a couple like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that just comes down from either lack of confidence in the director or the lack of understanding. Lack of knowledge and yeah. understanding, I think, yeah. definitely. Not only me, but a lot of people have always said it starts with the writing. The writing is the most important part of a movie. Yeah. If you haven't got a decent script, you're not going to get a good movie out of it, no matter how technological you are. Um, but if you've got a great script, you can certainly stuff it up and make a load of crap out of it. That's true. <laughs> but you shouldn't do if you've got a good script. You shouldn't if you follow it. Um, and I mean... A, that comes back to my favourite movie again, Casablanca. I mean, the characters in that, the writing in that, some of the one-liners, it's just brilliant. Mm. Just brilliant. I've, I haven't seen it in so long. I'm talking like uh, Go home and watch it. I, I will. I haven't seen it since I was probably in my uh, like early days, almost like 20, yeah, over 20 years ago. Which... Well, you probably appreciate it more as you're getting older. Yeah. I mean, that's... What I feel is my problems. I'm getting older, so I it's, go back to the older, the older stories, the I, older movies because they have a story. I think that's so true. I watched um, The Life of Me. I watched A Trouble with Harry. Alfred Hitchcock's A Trouble with Harry. Probably his worst movie ever. He, it really is, mm. but it's beautiful. Oh, it looks the, good. It, it, and that was what I remember my um, dad saying when I first watched it when I was about ten or twelve. Mm. And I was like, Oh, this is stunning. And then Mum and I and Dad watched it and Dad was still going, Oh, look how pretty is it? Mum and I were like, It's okay, not as good as we remember. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of the magic faded and it was very predictable. It was very uneventful. It wasn't as good, yeah, as you no. say. Um, but I watched Psycho once every year. It's still one of my favourite yeah. Af- Alfred Hitchcocks. I love it. I think oh, it's great. I did it at the time, but I watched it again three or four years ago and I thought, oh my God, what a load of rubbish. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, just, it's so slow. I it's like that about scary in it at all. It's just awful. I, <laughs> I remember reading the book, um, Psycho, Robert Block's Psycho, which I've still got on my shelves, uh, when it first came out before he made the movie. Yeah. And it was scary. Yeah. yeah I'm talking, I was probably 12... 10 if that and that was scary and then the movie came out and oh this is scary isn't it and now you're watching you go whoa that's terrible 
Does it? Does that mean you sort of like you just get older and you appreciate like yeah some stuff more yeah, and a lot of stuff so. less? Your tastes change, obviously. Yeah, um, I mean you're scared of a lot less, clearly. Yeah, um, and, and having made a lot of films myself now too, I know you know the mystery of the making of it is is gone a bit. Yeah, that was actually what worried me when I started to get back into films again. Was was it going to spoil it for me? But in fact, I think it's actually helped me appreciate some of the big stuff and the good stuff that I like more. Yeah. Because I know I go, how the fuck did they do that? <laughs> you know, or the actors in tears and, and I think, oh, my God, that's I wish I could do that. Um, so I, I do tend to appreciate film more since I've been doing it, which has surprised me. Yeah, I mm. mean, because on and off, like how long have you been – Predominantly in the film, film stuff, short film scenes for the last twenty years. Yeah, but before then, was it like just bits and pieces every so often? Uh, I had my own TV, kids TV program back in Christchurch in seventy oh. three, I think it was. Um, that was probably the biggest thing I'd done on film, well, on tape in those days, and then since then until I started back again. I'd only done some extra work, like in, I was in Moulin Rouge. Um, what's his other ones? <laughs> Baslav's other ones. Uh, Craig Gatsby? Yeah, Gatsby and Australia. Oh, you were in Australia? Yes, I've actually got a line in Australia. Oh, do you? Yes, I'm off screen, but it's there. <laughs> and I was credited in the credits and I got an invite to the, the, oh, did the, you? To the party, the um, premiere. That I, was great. I mean, Australia is one of those films that I just kind of eye roll at. Oh, but I love it. I just don't like Baz Luhrmann, and that's <sighs> I. I know I'm a controversial person. No, I'm. Yeah, some of his stuff's okay. I mean, the Great Gatsby disappointed me. Gatsby, I thought was terrible. Yeah, thank you. but there again, see, I'm back in '48 with Alan Ladd as Gatsby, which is probably the best. Yes, um, the the Mia Farrow, Robert Redford '73 or something, whatever it was. Is not bad. It looks good, but the, I don't think the characters were quite as good. But um, again, you see, the latest one, technology got in the way. Yeah, and I think that kind of just makes me go, yeah. I think it's also they had so many limitations they could they couldn't achieve. Um, like you, you talk about um, how sort of like a bit over superheroes, mm. but like nineteen, I think it was nineteen seventy eight, Superman. Um, uh, you know, my mum still remembers going to the cinema yeah. and watching that, and she loved it. Yeah. She thought Christopher Reeve he was, was great. amazing. Yeah. Um, but you look at it now, and it's really cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> it's cheesy. It's not. It's it's janky. Like mm. it doesn't quite land as well as it did. But I think, um, you know, it's the same as I grew up on. You know, Ghostbusters. That looks. Cheesy as anything. It's still pretty cheesy to today uh, yeah. when it was made. Yeah. But it it's it's a feel good movie. Back to the Future is like one of my favorite franchises. Oh, that was good. The three of them. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's sort of like the things I remember growing up with. The you know when I talk about having a family and having kids and everything like that, when I ever think about sitting in front of like films, I will be like, watch the things that my parents showed me. If you hate it, never want to watch it again. Well, I also understand. Okay, so what what are you going to show them? Ah, oh, one of them would have to be Alfred Hitchcock. 
some Alfred Hitchcock in there. Right. Um, and probably, obviously, James Bond because you've got you to show them classics. Mm. Um, a lot of goodies because I love the goodies. 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 Yum, yum. <laughs> love the goodies too. Yeah. Um, I was really sad about Tim Brooke Taylor's passing mm. um, earlier early this year, but um, I think – also, they were they came out for a tour. I'm sad I missed them. They were out here for a tour a few years ago, so that's always something that I love and would show my kids. Some of the episodes have not aged well. Some of them, like the premises, I'm have, sure they haven't. I've yeah. actually I've got I think all the series, but I haven't watched them again. Yeah. Um. I, um what else would I show them? I don't know what else. But, but what about so today's something from today's? Oh, films? I would probably steer away from Marvel. And DC, yeah. I would steer far away from superhero stuff. If they want to discover that on their own terms, that's fine. But I wouldn't use it as my go-to because I feel like I'm one of those people who likes watching them and appreciating them, but I don't like talking about them endlessly. No. I, yes. <laughs> because it just gets like, I like ha- whenever I meet up with friends because we all have different opinions about it, we're like, okay, this is just going to either end up with a serious hardcore conversation about it or let's just move on and chat about like something else let's do the obvious but i feel yeah it would very much be like probably some good horror films like independent horror films i would show Mm -hmm. them um anything with nicholas cage in it because i want them to know that how terrible his acting (laughs) good comedy (laughs) even if it's a serious role it's a great comedy um but also yeah i think probably some um Probably like Nightmare Before Christmas, a lot of Tim Burton films. Yeah. Um, as well as uh, part, probably some of the Harry Potters because I grew up on them and Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings is, you know, a staple in terms of like, um, but I mean, like they're about to make an HBO. I know. Um, Why? Why? Yeah. I know. yeah. <laughs> Peter Jack, it's not that long ago. No. Um, no it's ridiculous. So, and. I know, I've got a couple of people i know have got small parts in it over in new zealand but um, I, I just why i can't yeah can't understand it there I, we are i mean like but i think those are kind of like the quintessential things that i would, I would just let them discover um because there was a lot of like i also agree with like i remember going to spy kids which was um, robert rodriguez's film um made in early 2000 i remember going yeah. seeing that when i was a kid didn't mind that uh, I, I didn't mind it either. But watching them back now, like, they've not aged well. No. They look right. terrible. The CGI is all over the shop. That, But it's, it's, as you say, the technology was the main focus. And now all these kids are, you know, in their 30s mm. and probably look back and go, okay, they were okay from when I was 12 and 10 mm. and could mm. do a film like that. But, yeah, I, I really think that I will get to about 40. And, you know, when I hit 40, I'm probably going to be like, just happily comfortable with liking certain things, but not, you know, nerding out as much as, you know, you do when you're in your 20s. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's I, good I, to have passion. I still nerd out a little bit on things, but um, different sorts of things these days. I mean, yeah. I'll nerd out on a great performance probably in some brilliant drama or, um, you know, on TV or a movie. Yeah. Like, um, I'm looking forward to seeing Hopkins as the father. I saw the trailer the other day. Oh, yes. Um, um, Anthony Hopkins as yeah, the father with yeah. Olivia Coleman and, oh, goodness, I can't remember who else is in it. But, oh, yes, okay, that looks so, it looks great. And and I think it was on IMDb, actually, somewhere, and they had an interview with the, with the two of them. And he said, somebody asked him, how was it getting into this role? He said, oh, it's a 
piece of, he didn't say a piece of piss, but that's what he meant. Uh, it's like falling off a log. It's yes, very easy. I just, you know, it's, 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 it's just me. <laughs> and those are the kind of roles that I look for now, obviously, as well. Yeah. And, and love watching somebody I, good do them. Um, have you seen Nomadland yet? No, I, I, I know. It's what on the list. Um, a very, very low-key film. Yes. In, um, in all senses of the word, but her performance, you just go, oh, wow. <laughs> and apparently most of the people in that were real. Yeah. They, like, they would yeah. just go all up the to them and, yeah, yeah, they were. and be yeah. like, hey, just, can yeah. you mind being in the film? Yeah. I think that's great. Like, um, I remember Fargo is one of my favorite films. Like um, The original. Yes, the original. The TV series is okay. first two were good. The first series I feel like is still the best out of it if you go the follow because it's just follows a very similar yeah. movie adaptation. But um I tried to watch the last one and I gave up. Oh, I haven't watched the third series. They're about to make a fourth and I'm like, why? That is the fourth. Oh the right, fourth right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. With, with Chris Chris Rock. Chris, Chris Rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um never liked anyway, but that's beside the point. Um but I remember like when that film came when I watched that film for the first time with William H. Macy, Francis McDormand, um and like Steve um Buscemi. Yeah. I was just Loved, yeah. loved that film. Characters, they were characters, yeah. Wonderful. And the writing, ah, oh, it's just fabulous. But it, but I mean, also another great Coen Brothers film is Barton Fink, which slipped I, under the radar. I, I think I've seen it, but I don't remember it as such. It's so it's it's one of those films that they wrote when they had writer's block. Yeah, and I think it's incredible that they wrote this hour and a half to two hour film when they had writer's block, mm. which is about a writer having writer's block, mm. and I think. The interesting thing is it has um, uh, Jeff, uh, not Jeff Goldblum. Oh, um, God, the name escapes me for the life of me. Um, but I can see it on the poster, but I can't think Yeah, of no, yeah. I, I, um, it'll come back to me eventually. But, yeah, it had those two in it. Um, and the film in itself was just kind of like this devil on the shoulder kind of situation. I loved it. I remember walking, the ending's great. The whole thing was really well written. Hmm. And I remember showing it to one of my friends and he had never seen it. And he went, how the fuck have I never seen this? This is like, how has this <laughs> slipped under the radar? And I was like, I know. This is one of the no one knows about films. Hmm. And once you discover it, you kind of just go, what were they on? Like, it's so interesting. It's one of those really might, peculiar films. Might have to try and get it and have another look at it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's one of those films that I definitely recommend to anyone. Right. But I mean, those come back to characters. They come back to like when you're performing in a scene and a play and everything like that. I think the weakest times when you go to the theater. Like I worked in a theater for three years. I think one of the weakest times was you'd see all the student plays. You'd they and there's a great play about Charlie Brown, but if Charlie Brown's, you know, older and all his friends have got depression and all this stuff, and it's written as a really dark comedy, a really bleak comedy. Yeah, I think I've heard of it. Um, And my um, brother's partner at the time was reading the script and she said, this is really funny. We watched the performance, like she worked at the lighting desk. We were watching the performance and we were like, this is the worst performance ever. It was it was just unwatchable. Like it was so not funny to watch these actors who clearly didn't get the humor. Or the, the director didn't. The, and yeah, the director didn't. Director properly. Um, yeah. So it was one of those things where it's like you just don't quite know what you're delivering here. Hmm. So I think you're right when it says that you can have a great script and it fall flat because of the directing. Um, I think what 
what I like about you is you get also all these things. Like you get the whole, pro- you know, you're fascinated by all these processes and how <laughs> something works and yeah, you know, get yeah, into them. I guess so. Uh, um, yeah. what's, what's been your favorite roles over the last like probably like few films you've done? Uh, look, uh, people quite often ask me that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I've done so much I can't remember them. Um, but obviously the re- the most recent one would have to be Reflections in the Dust because yeah. that's just so off the wall, the whole thing. How and, did that one come about? Well, I had done a small part in the director's first film uh, playing a transves- transvestite hooker. Oh, Yes with a beard which was interesting because he rang me up to see if I could do a couple of shots in it and I said I've got a beard he said oh don't worry about it that'll be that'll be fine so <laughs> I did that and he said oh, I've I've written another script you'd be good for um uh one of the roles in it I said oh great send it to me so he sent it to me and I read the first page and I sent back a, an email to him saying what the fuck were you on when you wrote this <laughs> my god it's fantastic I want to do it so oh, I wow. went in and auditioned and I ended up doing the lead for it, which was great. Yeah. And but just so many things that I would never get to do, especially at my age. That was like four years ago. Um, you know, having a total breakdown in, in the forest and we did an eight-minute take of it. Lord. Yeah. That, that would have been intense. An eight-minute take of me going absolutely crazy, including chomping on tree barks and throwing things everywhere. Oh, it was, I was stuffed at the end of it. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you've got enough because I ain't doing it again. <laughs> um, and the relationship between my character and my daughter, played by uh, Sarah Birdgirl, who... Um, it's got a condition whose name I can't remember. Sorry, Sarah, but she can hardly see. Yeah, she was just amazing to work with. Yeah, we, we had a great time because because the content was so dark, we were cracking up in between <laughs> scenes. You know, just to keep things light. We, yeah, we yeah, make yeah. each other laugh. Oh, that's great. And, and I felt that's the only way to go. So that was only a, a six day shoot. I think it was six or eight. And I didn't want it to finish. Uh, I mean, I was stuffed after it, but it was, I just loved doing it. Yeah, it was loved it. doing it. And how long was the film? It's 72 minutes, I think it runs to. Wow. He cut, he cut a few good scenes out, but uh, yeah. That's awesome. Mm. That's in six to, six to eight days, you shot 72 yeah. minutes. That's, in, that's nuts. Yeah. Um, well, outside, no lighting, handheld camera, no yeah. setups. So you just get into it. Yeah, it's almost like a theatre performance. Yeah, um, and the cameraman was wonderful. He was right in our faces the whole time, literally. I, I knocked him a few times. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he was capturing the performances. Yeah. There was none of us worrying about technical stuff. You know, no lights in the background, no mics popping in and all that sort of crap. So you just get in and shoot it. Yeah. And, and it really works. I think um, that, that sort of like the interference it's on Stan if anybody wants to yes, watch yes. it. Yes, yes, go and watch it on Stan. Mm. It is on Stan. But, <laughs> but I mean, like, the interference that you're talking about, like, with quick setups and stuff, it's amazing, like, how much people like shots and they like things like that. But at the end of the day, if the performance is solid, people are going to forget how it's exactly. shot. That's They're going to just, right. like, yeah. enjoy the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's how I've always kind of appreciated film. Um, it was, like... I think one of the things that I love experimenting with is um, going, you know, especially in front of like, and sometimes giving no direction. 
and going, just read the scene, play it how you want to see it, and then giving notes. Like, because I think that's the funnest way because you're giving the actor complete reign of Absolutely. just going. Absolutely. And that's do the way I like want. to work. Yeah. Yeah. I like directors uh, like that. And as a director, that's the way I work too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think for me, that's just been the best way I work because everything I've done, um, it always has to be like whether or not they're comfortable, but also whether or not they're having fun. Like they're enjoying the material there, you know, like throw yourself straight into it because mm. it's the only way you're going to look back at it and go, oh, this is great. Or this is, you know, completely had free reign. Where do I stand? Like, where would you like me to stand? And I was like, oh, just use this general area. Mm-hmm. Or here's your mm-hmm. first line and you've got to get there mm. by your end line. And, but, you know, other than that, go wild, like do what you want. And I think one of the best ever behind the scenes things was when you know actors and when you start to know how they move and how they do things, it's so much easier to work out your shots afterwards mm-hmm. because you like um, uh, there was a great thing that was said by one of the directors who directed Peter Capaldi and she said um, uh, that directing him was like when he does a scene, he likes to walk. So he likes to walk around a space. So don't really like control where he walks. You just go, okay, you do the scene, see what you're doing with your feet and kind of, and then work out how to move the camera around where he's okay, at. That's interesting because that's kind of the way I like to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think, um, I think that's sort of very much how I love making films. Like all, a lot of the time you'll get questions being like, oh, why does my character say this? Or, you know, why is my character? That's easy to kind of like work out through motivation. Yes. But you can usually make it up as a director. Yeah. yeah. Make up something that sounds, you know, terribly like, arty and <laughs> I think I think it's always you know whenever I write scripts though they they use a lot of science fiction technical jargon and a lot of the time they go why am I saying this and I was like oh it's like a device and they're like oh okay <laughs> cool uh, I think one of the one of the best actors who I love working with she is an absolute delight um, a girl called Isabel McMasters and she's played um, the Doctor and a couple of the Doctor Who scenes she'd never watched Doctor Who religiously she mm-hmm. had sort of been very in and out her sister loves it I remember the first time she ever came to set and she was asking me all these questions about like character motivations and you know like who she was and what she was doing and I was like oh just kind of like go really fun with your you know I know you're really good at comedy so use your comedy bones mm-hmm. but also use your drama you know use that dramatic streak that you have as well so kind of find the moments and once she would get all the dialogue she'd come on the day and she'd do the same. She was phenomenal. Like she was just so on top of everything. You give her little notes. She would have a bunch of questions pre-thing, but on the day she'd have like zero next to no questions because she would just like to know where she was standing and what she was doing. But other than that, yeah, she'd go for the scene. She'd just yeah. do it all. Yeah. And I was like, you're phenomenal. She'd occasionally forget a line or two, but other than that, she was really well prepared. And I think that's kind of the best actors to work with. Absolutely. Because- yeah. And, and, and free, like open to, to whatever happens, that's, yeah. that's what I like to be. That's why I love film because you never know what's going to happen. No, and I and, and I even when I'm directing, you know, I love problems coming up because you've got to solve them on the spot. You know? Yeah, it's just just gets your creative juices going. <laughs> because how much stuff have you directed in in film? Um, I've done about ten short films. Oh wow! Yeah, and what's uh, been your biggest challenge? Probably the last one I did with with. with me and drag oh yeah the life's a drag one yes i did with a friend of mine peter mccullum um because i was directing kind of producing although victoria ended up doing most of the producing which was great (laughs) and and acting in drag so yeah that was a good challenge but boy i enjoyed it yeah that was only we did that in two days 
and that's been in over 50 festivals around the world and won quite a few little prizes here and there. Yeah, and it's and it looks amazing. I haven't actually had it a chance terrific to, to see it. It looks terrific because shot by a wonderful cinematographer, Kevin Scott. Who, oh, wow. Who has just shot uh, The Flood for Vec, who did yep. my producing and wrote my script as well. Um, and I'm hoping that that will get him known as well because he's he's a lovely man to work with. His, his eye is wonderful. He's reasonably quick setting up, even though, you know, the, the stuff looks good. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was great to work with. Uh, we, we just had a ball. That's oh, great. That's good. And, and it had a musical number in it too. Oh, did you? Yeah. Do you, I didn't know you sung. Oh, well, you see. <laughs> but this doesn't surprise me. Did you start in musical theatre? Uh, no, but I did, uh, actually, the, I did a musical called The Canterbury Tales. Oh, based on The Canterbury Tales. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty well known. It was in the 70s. We did that in our um, big town hall. That was one of the first things that went on in the town hall. I was in the first production that went on in the Christchurch town hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Henry V we did. With Jonathan Nelson, who's a fairly well-known actor here in Sydney, uh, playing Shakespeare. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I met him <laughs> at a short and sweet audition 40 years later. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I did this audition for short and sweet, and I gave my name, and there was a voice came from the background. Uh, it was Robin Query when I, first, when I saw you last, my dear boy. <laughs> Who the fuck is that? Jonathan Elsom, how are you? I haven't seen you for 40 years. Incredible. And he's actually gone back to England, I think, to, to um, try it over there again. But Oh, in the, in the middle of a pandemic? Well, I think he went two or three years ago. Oh. I haven't, haven't seen anything from him lately, so I hope he's doing all right. Actually, I wrote Life's a Drag for he and me. Oh, wow. Hmm. Hmm. After meeting him then, mm. I thought, Oh, gee, I really like to work with him because I remember yeah, you know, yeah. being in Henry V with him. I was second beer carrier from the left sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I had about two lines in it, one of my first things I ever did. And he was one of our big heroes because being from Christchurch, he went over to England to try and make it big and he did a few things over there, which we saw him in. Yeah. So to see him again after that time, I thought, oh, I'd really love to work with him. I wrote this. I sent him the script. And he said, I'd love to do it, but I've just fallen off the stage and broken my leg. I'm not I'm going to be out of oh, stage no. for, for some time. Lord. Hmm. So I had it all set up and ready to go. So I, I just asked Peter to do it and, and we got it done. That's mm-hmm. that's like very... Isn't it funny? Serendipity in, uh, in the um, arts business around Sydney, definitely. Because yeah. as you said before, there's usually... Somebody who knows somebody, or if yeah. I go onto a set, I I normally know somebody that I've worked with there before, and it's quite good. It's yeah. quite good to know somebody. I think it's also like um, you just know, you kind of know the good eggs from the like. From the- yeah, you know, I, I, all the stuff that I have done, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I've only ever come across a couple of, maybe three. <laughs> wankers yeah in the business i mean uh, yeah it's most people are really good and good fun to work with yeah and i think it's also like one of those things that go heartens back to just have fun with it like have it's not a life or death situation no 
it's um you know we do these things for fun and joy and everything well again this is i've always said i i find acting to be totally stupid um I'm not quite <laughs> sure what it does to the world why do we have theater and make films and act because it's not like being a doctor it's not like being a fireman uh, i can never understand why we do it no, and, and particularly these days, why actors get paid such ginormous amounts of money? I mean, it's ludicrous. That, that You're is playing t- silly buggers for Christ's sake, and it's usually fun to do. Yeah, you know? um, and you're on you're on you're set. Not worth that much money. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, it's just ludicrous. Um. So, but how did like how did going back to life is a drag? How did that story even come about? How did you write that one? Well, as I said, I wanted to do something with me yeah. and Jonathan, and I just had this idea suddenly from nowhere when I was mowing. I, I, a lot of ideas come when I'm mowing, and, and when I'm directing, a lot of my directing ideas come when I'm mowing. Um, <laughs> I just had this idea, there's two old queens getting ready for what appears to be a show, but it actually ends up being, it's one of their funeral, and one of them's already dead. Oh. So. So very bleak. Yeah. That's great. So I gave that to Victoria. Yeah. And she came back like a day later with this lovely little script with a little um, gay acceptance thing tucked on the end, which was wonderful. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I love I love stories like that. <laughs> they, they sort of like kind of just make me melancholy. Um, reminds me of a it reminds me of a very a, a very similar scene um, story that I saw ages ago. It was done by um, the BBC uh, for a part of a show called Inside Number Nine, and oh yes, I saw a lot of those. Yeah, and one yeah. of the one of my favorite episodes is literally just two a double act kind of in there doing their double act things, and you realize at the end that one of had died from a drinking um, problem and was no longer around, and I just think it was the moment the penny dropped kind of situation. You mm. were just like. Oh, he was doing all of this alone in the room yeah. and having these arguments that he used to have with his coworker when his coworker wasn't there, and he was just reliving all these frustrations. I, and I think I vaguely remember it, but I just think that sometimes, especially with Reese Shearsmith and um, Steve Pemberton, they do write incredibly some really good stories. Like yes. they just hit you at the end with this really hard punch. Twist. Yeah. yeah, this yeah. nice little twist, but it's also. Um, I think, I think one of the things that people struggle with, and this goes back to what I don't like about short films, dialogue. I love dialogue. I love mm-hmm. good dialogue. Oh, so do we as actors, um, of course. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, um, often the way I learn when something doesn't sound right or something doesn't sound good is when I hear people say it. Because you can, you can read it a thousand times in your own head and you mm-hmm. go, oh, this will sound perfect. Mm. The moment you hear someone else say it, you're like, it doesn't. That just sounds like it's, you know, scraping yeah. along the floor yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and it goes to everything I've ever written. I think sometimes less is more. Some characters do often, the more they say, the less they actually, you know, show. And I think that you've got to reduce some lines for some characters. Mm. But other times you kind of just go, well, what's the scene telling? What's the and I, I'm one of those writers who will always write less dialogue when I refine dialogue and I cut lines out because it's just good. 
too much <laughs> being said. Of course it is sometimes, yeah. Uh, and I mean, yeah. like, you know, just have descriptions, have people sort of looking at each other, you know, acknowledging reactions. Because what's that saying? Reactions. Yeah. It's a visual medium. So let's see it. Um, don't, don't You don't need to listen to it. You know, I get scripts from students in particular. And it's just dialogue, dialogue, dialogue with nothing happening. And I'm thinking... This is a film, not a radio play. What are you doing? You I know. Write something that's going to go on here. But they don't seem to, the young folks don't seem to um, get that. that. No. To them, a good script is lots of dialogue, it seems to me. <laughs> I think I think that's true. Uh, yeah, I think that's very true. Um, I, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I think one thing I directed years ago, my first ever directed an HSC short film, film sort of part of drama school i knew nothing about filmmaking at the time so i had my camcorder um no sound no nothing yeah. my friend and i were in it sounds like my old eight mil movie days yeah when we used to make it but it was like the thing i remember learning about it like it didn't win any, like it didn't it got kind of like a pass mark and then the you know i think you could win things if you you know if it's really well received mm. but i was like i was not filmmaker heavy understood and at the time i remember getting it back and one thing my director, um, uh, my teacher said, who was teaching me acting, said it was like, you're very good at acting. Like, And I was thought at the time, I was like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, whatever. Mm. <laughs> Went and, and did filmmaking. Uh, but one thing I've actually, like, um, I, had, I did a couple of read-throughs with friends recently. And the one thing is the more I do practice on it, the more I remember how much I enjoy acting. It's one of those things that never quite leaves you. Doesn't. No. I gave it up for... Seven years, uh, <laughs> and it crept back in. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, like tell me, I think one of the things that I think pops up the most though recently is greed. That you've done greed. Um, how did greed? Okay, I haven't mentioned greed, but mainly because it's sort of not out. It's, yeah, it's, when's it? When's that come I out? Don't That's know. Ask John Clare. <laughs> um, it's been sort of ominously hinted at yeah, over like he's, five years. He's, Put it in quite a few festivals, and it's just one one, which is great. Um, I, I don't know; it must be due to come out shortly. Because <laughs> I mean, like greed stars um, you. It stars oh um, Emma, uh, the wonderful Emma Jensen. She Emma Jensen, wonderful to work with. She, I love her. She is an amazing human being. I yeah, love it a bit. Yeah. Um, and so tall. I, don't, I know, she's a giant. <laughs> um, but I always think that one thing that I love, um, yeah, is is working with these like-minded, you know, individuals. And I think mm. it's also with greed because that has Craig Craig Walker's in it. Yep. Um, uh, Kirsty McKenzie. Uh, Jean-Pierre, what's yep. his face, and a couple of others who I can't remember offhand. Yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. No, <laughs> but I mean, like it, it. It sort of seems to be this huge number of people in this uh, film. It's a fairly big cast. Yeah, yeah fairly big cast. Um, How did that one even come about? Well, again, I auditioned for John Clare's first feature, and didn't get it. And when this one came up, it's actually written by a friend of mine as well, Rob Luxford. Oh, okay. Who. I've done a couple of his short films myself yeah, yeah, that yeah. he's written over the years. Um, and so I auditioned and I got it. Because hmm. it looks phenomenal. Like, it looks interesting. It's it's like a crime. Yeah, yes, yeah. I play a crime lord. A lord type thing, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which suits your persona. <laughs> um, I can see yeah. you as a mafia lord. <laughs> it's, yeah, I see, I'm... 
Okay, this is going to get back to one of your earlier questions about my roles. Um, another reason why I liked Reflections in the Dust was because the guy, the character is just horrible. He's really, really bad. Yeah. Now, I've done baddies before, but I've had people say to me, Rob, even your bad guys are good. <laughs> even your bad guys are lovable. I And I, th I think that's good because, um, no, not all bad people are horrible. Mm -hmm. As we know, uh, and and I I played like um, Enzo in this one. Oh yeah, the, the bad crime guy. But I played him quite lovable as well. So I hope that comes across in the oh, film. Yeah. Whereas Reflections, I knew that I had to get rid of everything and not have any ounce of of goodwill niceness in me whatsoever. So I just threw it all away and went full out for for horrible. I love that. Yeah. I I want good fun. I want you always to play really oh, oh, no. It's, um, it's hard for me to do. It really is. I, because I, I, I love comedy and I love taking the mickey out of things and making jokes and making people laugh, it's very hard for me to do serious stuff. Yeah. I always tend to throw something at the end of a line to make people crack up. I think it was like when we did that like um, audio test thing where we got all of you to read for the master scene that I yeah. quickly wrote up. Yeah. And I remember... I did not think that would come out as well as it did. I remember sitting going, okay, I've really got to trust everyone to have done an attempt at their lines. Mm. And I put it all together and I listened to it and I was like, okay, this isn't actually too bad. Like some of the dialogue needed yeah, fixing. Right. Yeah. But I remember one of the things I I thought really worked was one, everyone sounded like an asshole. Like everyone sounded like they were just awful people. Yeah. But the two, the other coin was your lines every time you ended a sentence made me laugh so hysterically because oh, really you were go. so like, you were so much sass in your voice, but you were just so cynical and, exactly. and horrible. <laughs> and I just think. Tongue in cheek. Absolutely. I, but then, and, and you're right. There was a couple in there when I listened to it. I thought, Oh my God, that's really, that's really nasty. Yeah. yeah. And I think it sort of makes. I'm not going to say who. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, and it makes me excited to not only because we are going to do some more um, master related stuff, which will kind of go into a bigger, bigger project, some based on radio and some obviously envision when we actually can make it. Mm. Um, pandemic has kind of like pushed everything down a long rabbit hole. Yeah, I've done a couple. Um, yeah. I've done a couple of short films and I did an ad. Uh, last week so yeah that's been good like i mean and for me i work full time so it's just been like working around my crazy schedule as well so it's why everything goes by month. yeah that's the um yeah so life gets in the way it really does yeah. um but i remember like one thing that i think has been so rewarding about that is the the um, fan community which has just been so supportive mm -hmm. um the, see i don't understand all this stuff well this fan stuff and the fan movies and all that I yeah that's I think beyond me. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's like the fact that it gives. So I'll give you a little pretext to why people love it. Right. Um, it generally just comes from a place of um, passion. Really, it comes from like. I think it's good to make original stuff. I always think make original stuff yeah. over fan stuff any day. Um, but I do think that fan stuff makes people. One, it gives them a, you know a character they've always wanted to play. Like especially a lot of actors have wanted to play certain roles and know they'll never get the chance. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And a lot of the actors who are involved have never gotten um, the chance to play the Doctor, even if they've ever dreamed of playing the Doctor. This gives them a chance too. Um, and, I mean, also, 
I say to everyone, bring your own to it. Bring yourself to it. Don't try and impersonate someone else. Don't do like a um, Roger Delgado or um, Matt Smith or, you know, William Hartnell impression. Mm -hmm. Just do Mm -hmm. your thing. Mm -hmm. And they come to set and they, you know, uh, they just do their own version of of whoever they think that character might be. So I think a lot of that comes from fan stuff. I've watched a lot of fan stuff now, and the older I get, the more you kind of like. I think it's also a great place to learn. I think it's a great place if you're a young filmmaker and you want to make anything, take a handy cam to your backyard, go and attempt your favorite short, you know, scene from a movie that you really mm-hmm. love. Go and shoot it, upload it to YouTube. People will tell you whether it's good or bad. Give you a little bit of feedback. And then you can learn from it. And I think it's the best way to learn because when you get to big sets, like when you get to actual stuff that you might be paid for, it's actually going to go into festivals and stuff. You know what's right and what works. Yeah. And that's why I started back in short films doing absolutely everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for uh, that very reason. To, to learn again and make sure that what I did think I knew and was doing was right. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> What's, it what, pretty much was. What's, what's roles in, um, with literally, as you say, literally doing everything, um, what roles have been particularly challenging that you thought? Um, um, a- acting roles. Well, just in mean? general, well, like well, in, in every every role that you've tried to achieve in. Um, directing is always hard, well, <laughs> particularly at the start. Mm. You know, I'd done loads and loads of theatre directing, but then to go into film directing, I had to change thoughts on things a little bit yeah but i think i picked it up reasonably quickly i mean uh, yeah not i wouldn't <laughs> say it was challenging but it's, it's interesting yeah and particularly with directing you learn different things every time you do a film obviously that's that's true yeah i mean then you know and what what's been when you get to the editing process when you're directing, is that harder? Is it more interesting now reflecting upon like acting choices? and you know, I know. love sitting with an editor. Really? Yeah, I love it. Um, that was another interesting thing with Life's a Drag. Victoria knew this guy who was an editor at Channel 10 and we just gave him the footage and he put it together. Wow. It was amazing. And he sent it through to me uh, online and we, we sat there online together and went through it. And I had to hardly change anything. He was amazing. He just put the whole thing together. Wow. Yeah, that was great. But normally I, I love sitting down with the, with the editor and going, oh, yeah, that's good. Let's try this and put that there. And can you do this? And yeah, Because uh, I, I don't have that technical knowledge. Yeah. I would love to have that knowledge. I just don't. That's It's not me. It's it's patient. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's technology. And I'm, technology and me just don't go well together <laughs> at all. No, noted, no. noted. Never put you next to technology. No, no. Um, I mean, like uh, the one thing that I often say, that, like I started in editing, so editing's like my full go-to. Yeah. And whenever I watch short films now, anything well edited, I go, you know, that's fantastic. Like I think, I think the thing is also like the editor is the seamless person. If you can watch a film, the and editor not, makes the film. It really I does. have realized that over the years. Yeah. And uh again working with a very good friend of mine, uh, we started working together about two thousand and two. Unfortunately hasn't done anything for the last ten years because as you say, life gets in the way. But he was brilliant editor, brilliant yeah. writer, brilliant filmmaker as such. Did everything, cinematography, everything. Wow. 
Rob Lego. He's just wonderful. And, oh. and we had so much fun working together on stuff, he and Dave Alsop and I. We just did silly stuff all, yeah. you know, all the time. It was great. But watching him edit, it's just, I, 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 I don't know what he was doing, but it just was magic. Yeah. It just makes the magic work. I think it's like um, the same goes to sound design and uh, music and composing. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of my one of my good friends, she's a composer, and every, I've worked with her on countless things. She created the the theme music to this as well. But I remember like when um, when we were doing uh, you know all sorts of things. She's about to help me with the dance and drawing video, but she just likes having references. And she goes, "Send me a bunch of music that you think." you know, send me a temp score, like what you think it might sound like, mm. and I'll kind of base us off that. And then you'll sit down with her and you'll have a chat and she just, she'll throw something together and be like, what do you think? And you, and you just go, where, like, where was the, did you just go and record this with a band? And she pulls it all off her computer. It's all digital, mm. but it just makes it sound like this really humongous um, scores that you would see in films mm. and she just has this ability and she's really talented and the same goes for um, one of my favourite sound um, artists uh, out there, he's a friend, good friend of mine Todd Jacobs, he now works in LA um, at Universal and one of the things that every time I listen to his work and he's worked with me countless times, we just the sound design is flawless he just you know, knows what he wants and what he's doing, but he'll send back little notes and go, oh, I don't think you did this right, or who, you know, he'll check with me on something and we'll critique each other. Yeah. But he's he's always willing to learn, and right. he's my go-to. If I have a complaint about something, I'll go and complain to him because he knows he knows yeah. everything of what could go wrong. Sound uh, guys are amazing. I, I've, I've worked with a couple of really good ones lately. Um, the girl who did um, Life's a Drag, um, Whose name has now escaped me? Tanya. Tanya oh, Payne. Oh, yeah. okay. She was wonderful because we had this song in it. And when we got onto the location, I said to her, how are we going to do this? Do we have to mime it and then record it later? She said, no, we can do it live. And we did it live. Wow. Yeah. And it sounds great. <laughs> it's yeah. Fantastic. And the other one is Nathan Bell, who I've worked with on oh. a few things. You know Nathan? I love Nathan. Yeah. I work. I I get to work with him again, and he's just absolutely. He's terrific, oh. and so unobtrusive as an actor. Yes. You know, um, he did Reflections in the Dust. Oh, so awesome! He's wading knee deep in the water with us, with the sound <laughs> gear. We didn't have to do any ADR on that thing. Yeah, none whatsoever. He he had everything there, and he got all the lines. It was just amazing. I mean, the only time I've ever done anything with him and we had to do ADR was one time and we had like a dripping like thing in the background we just couldn't get rid of. He tried to dampen it as much yeah. as he could yeah. and it was virtually impossible to get rid of the drip. But um, yeah, no, it's great. He's phenomenal to work with. And you know, all these people that we've mentioned along the way, of course, I'm sending my bills for their advertising. <laughs> Um, later yeah he's got he's got a lot of cash and being like oh i want to add to that pile over there um unfortunately i don't think tani is doing much at the moment oh really yeah i'm not sure um what happens i mean like you know this year is going to be an interesting year like um we'll just keep banking stuff to be honest i feel like i hope so i hope so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah i'm sure we will um but no like i think see, you've done so much you sort of, you can't say you've had a boring life. You've done so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. When, when kind of, I look back at it and I think, 
Yes, I have, but there's also a hell of a lot more that I'd like to have done. Yeah, that's more true. professional stuff, bigger stuff, um, especially being on set for the ad I did last week, being back on a professional set. And yeah, how was that? Was this that... is where I like to be. Is it because it was so fast and so quick? No. Not... Oh, really? Or just the attitudes? <laughs> no, professional stuff. <laughs> Sometimes it isn't fast and quick. Oh, really? Uh, uh, this was, actually. The, the director was really quite fast. Um, um, no, it's just the whole attitude and the people doing stuff. You know, everybody's got their own little job to do and everybody's always doing stuff. And if suddenly you want a, it always amazes me, if suddenly you want a, a, a left-handed screwdriver, you know, like six foot long, they'll go and get it. <laughs> yeah. I've got one of those in the truck. <laughs> it's just amazing what they come up with. They've always got something that is close to what's needed or they'll make it or it's you know, I, I don't know i just can't get over it it's yeah great. i mean it doesn't always happen like professional sets don't always um have that but it is not it always is. but most of the stuff i've been on has it's been good yeah i think um having worked for a media company for like eight years now this the amount of professionalism is 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 very hit and miss yeah um yeah. But it's funny because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, as you say, you've got a job to do and you just go and do it and you get it done. And there's no, um, yeah, I agree. Like the, there's no waiting around. Like there's, well, there's less someone not looking like they're doing anything. There's a yeah. lot more people are actually yeah. busy. Yeah. And do- um, most of the time, everybody seems to be happy in their job and, and just getting on with the job. There's, I, I haven't come across any sort of big head people in, in crews and things like that, you know, behind the scenes people. They're always really good to get on with, happy go lucky. And then, you know I, I might regret having said that. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like everyone go and employ you now. <laughs> uh, no, I? it's just I think it's just the attitude of being on a professional set. Yeah. You're there to do a job. And you're getting paid good money to do that job, so let's do it. Yeah, let's get in and do it. No mucking around. No, um, and and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think it it goes back to the same of any job and any experience that I've ever had. If I whether or not, um, I'm being paid, I'm there to do a job. Mm. I'm there to have a role to do that job to inform people, and then get it done and not muck about, not delay. Unless, you know, something serious is coming up. Yeah. Like, don't delay because you're just like, oh, yeah. wanker. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of an incident, which I'm going to relate to in a minute. Oh, re- oh but, um, I, I have always thought of acting as a job. This comes back to my filmmaking and acting is, is, yeah. is stupid. <laughs> and, oh, that's a little anecdote on that one, too. I was doing a, I'm going to name drop here. I was doing a film with Malcolm McDowell oh. uh, a few years ago. And we were sitting around in the courtroom waiting for them to light and all the usual sort of crap. And he sort of looked around and said to us, bloody stupid job we do, isn't it, really? <laughs> and I said, yes, I've always said that. Because <laughs> he's like me. He he loves acting. So yeah. he does anything. Yeah. And obviously a lot of the stuff that he's done isn't very you know, good. Not him. He's always good. But the, the stuff that yeah, he's in. He just... He just does anything, uh, whether it's got no money or um, lots of money. He just loves acting and he, he just does it. And that's the way I feel too. I do. Well, not so much now. I don't do absolutely anything, but I certainly did to start with. Um, 
And uh, I was going to tell you another. Oh, yes. One of the wankers I worked with. <laughs> um, we were in a church. And uh, I was playing the priest in the chair. And, and this guy had to come in out of breath. Rush oh. in, out of breath. You know, start the lines. And the director goes, action. No sign of him. <laughs> um, where's he gone? Uh, I better go and see where he is. Oh, no, he'll be in. Okay. Then in he comes. <sighs> and he does his lines, angry, angry, angry. angry. Uh, cut. And the director said, what happened? Where were you? He said, oh, I was running around the block to get out of breath. <laughs> and it comes back to the old Lawrence Olivier line to Dustin Hoffman. Just act, dear boy. Just, Just act. act. <laughs> dear girl. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! I didn't. Oh, I hated working with that man. <laughs> I'd done a short film with him before that, yeah. and I knew what he was like. And he's over in America now. I believe he's just done a film over there. But yeah. Anyway, I'm... let's not go there. I've I've got a list. I've got like I've got a list of people that I will hands down never work with again. Yeah, this, um... this guy's on top of my list. <laughs> there's only a couple of others. Um, oh, that's good. It's a short list. Yeah, it is a short list. Um... Yeah, yeah. But no, like it, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. Like you've come and you've come and confined it into me on in a public podcast. To like, Nobody's going to hear this, are they? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't go to anywhere. No. It's not going to ever get released. All three people listening, yeah. forget what I said. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for. That's all right. It's good to reminisce a bit. I've oh. I've enjoyed it. I've I think listening to you has sort of reinvigorated my love for old films and <laughs> oh, that's uh, good and I'll show you my collection before we yeah go. yeah please do I'm I'm gonna browse his collection before I go <laughs> but um no th uh, thank you thank you Robin so much for joining me um it's been a pleasure awesome as they say in the movies <laughs> in the movies um well those are the things we do podcast um if you want to check out more episodes you can check them out right now anyway goodbye